Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 81, Deceptions Part 1, Priestcraft. So some of the plain and precious things that the Book of Mormon preserved for us are the insights into the deceptions of the adversary. Nephi spells it out for us in his address to the Gentiles, and I believe that we should be very, very grateful to him for that. As I've studied these chapters, the thought came to my mind that I wish I could have taken more time to study and ponder them this week. So that is my suggestion to you. Listen to this podcast, and I hope it helps. But I hope it is only a launching point for you. I hope that it will only serve as a spring into your own personal study of these verses, and that you'll commit time to ponder and to look at this counsel from Nephi from several different angles. And why do I give this suggestion? Because if we can understand the enemy, we won't be fooled by him. Our discernment will be so fine-tuned that we can see his deceit and then we can quickly walk away from it. We won't be affected. And then we can also be pillars of light to our families and to our society, pillars of truth and righteousness to help shine light back onto the goodness of Jesus Christ. And I believe that that is a good place to start, to lay down the foundation of what we're going to be comparing the deceptions of the adversary to. We're comparing him to Jesus. Jesus is light. Jesus is virtue and strength. Jesus is love. The desire of God's is to bring to pass the immortality and the eternal life of men. Your immortality your eternal life. The worth of souls is great in the sight of God, meaning your worth is great to Him and does not diminish. Your worth has never been misunderstood by God, and He has designed this plan for you to rediscover your worth and to learn to reach and live your potential, what you're capable of doing despite tribulation, despite less than ideal circumstances. And the way we do this is leaning into his love and keeping his commandments. That's how we get there. It is what gives you that virtuous, that real confidence that he desires his children to develop. And then there's the atonement. Using the atonement of Jesus Christ helps to clean us up when we make errors. He sets us right again. He strengthens us with his power and he keeps us close to him so that we can live in truth when we use his atonement. Therefore, God is truth. He is love. In fact, he isn't a respecter of persons. All are invited to come unto him and to partake of his atonement and his abundant goodness. He is all-inclusive, but he will not override our agency. But if we choose him and follow after him, he's got us. 
He is merciful and gracious and slow to anger. This is who he is. This is who he has always been and ever will be. Where we struggle and get into trouble is when we become prideful. And there is that word again. (laughs) The Book of Mormon is the warning book of all warning books on being prideful. Remember our quick definition of pride that we learned all the way back in episode three, Beware of Pride, is from the prophet, President Ezra Taft Benson. Pride is enmity between us and God or us and our fellow men. Enmity is being in opposition or hostile to someone. So in opposition or hostility to God or in opposition or hostility to our fellow men. And that is a humbling definition, don't you think? That makes our daily matters very black and white. And that is where I encourage you to begin as you contemplate the verses of 2 Nephi chapter 26. And we're going to focus on verses 20 through 22, and then 29 and 30. And then 2 Nephi chapter 27, 1 through 4, and then 2 Nephi chapter 28. There's also 2 Nephi chapter 29 that you could include in your study. I just have looked at these verses as ramifications of what children of God experience when they are lured away by the evil deception and are deceived by Satan. And we'll discuss that in another episode. But we're going to begin with the big deception. Let's start big. We're going to begin with the one that causes the biggest impact on us as a whole. And that is priestcraft. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) It's a strange word. It's one we don't use nowadays, but it is damaging to all that we hold dear as children of light. Pride and priestcraft led to the destruction of the Nephite civilization. Priestcraft led to the great apostasy. It was priestcraft that led to Jesus Christ being crucified by his people, especially the Jewish leaders who out of All of the people should have recognized him and led the people to him. Once begun, priestcraft is difficult to weed out. Priestcraft among the Nephites began with Nahor. And though he confessed to preaching contrary to the words of God and was actually put to death because of those actions, even this did not put an end to the priestcraft that he had begun. It had taken root in the hearts of the people. They loved the vain things of the world that they had been introduced to. They loved the idea of not being accountable. And these things are not given up very easily when our love switches its allegiance from God to lovers of ourselves. So what is priestcraft? Let's look at 2 Nephi chapter 26, which we in last week's episode spent some time in. But now let's give it another layer of context. Beginning in verse 20, Nephi tells us that the Gentiles who will smite the remainder of Lehi's seed, who have dwindled in unbelief, are lifted up in the pride of their eyes and have stumbled because of the greatness of their stumbling block. To me, this teaches that they were in opposition to God's ways. His foundational principles that we discussed earlier. 
The Gentiles were in opposition to him, and therefore they were in opposition to their fellow man. Because remember, the first great commandment is to love God, and the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Unless there's any confusion that the plan of lovers of self is the correct way to go, it isn't. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't take care of ourselves or strive to appreciate our worth or develop ourselves or become excellent stewards of ourselves. No, you're not hearing me say that. I'm talking about self-absorption, indulgence, putting ourselves above others in a competitive and in a spirit of comparison sort of way. Pride is the opposite of the charity that God teaches, and therefore it cannot get us to the same place with the same rewards. We can't receive the blessings of the Lord's countenance upon us, or a place beside the Lord, or all that He has when we're living in opposition to Him. Because of pride, it is no longer the Lord's church that the Gentiles will raise up. Remember, at this time, the great apostasy had happened, and many churches will be raised up, but none of them will belong to the Lord. These churches, verse 20 teaches, will put down the power and miracles of God and will teach their own wisdom and their own learning to get gain and grind upon the face of the poor. Because this isn't God's teachings, the fruits of the Spirit won't be present. It will not produce the same fruit. It will instead produce envyings, strifes, and malice, and secret combinations will rise up. Now, truthfully, I don't know if this is intentional or just the ramifications of not having God's power operating among his children, which is the consequence of the great apostasy. And maybe it's a bit of both. I know that the United States of America and her constitution were founded on Judeo-Christian principles, which paved the way for the restoration to take place here. But where God's priesthood does not reign, it leaves a vacuum or a void that the adversary is always happy. (laughs) He's always happy to fill that with his counterfeit plans. His counterfeit plan to God's priesthood is priestcraft. Where Nephi teaches, does God ever tell you to depart from him? Does he ever tell you to leave his church? Does he ever tell you to not partake of his salvation? Does he ever tell you not to partake of his goodness? Priestcraft teaches and encourages the opposite. Think about that to yourself for a minute. Recall the evidence that you have seen to show you that that is true. Now, I never put it together. I'm referring to Nephi's sermon. I naively thought that Nephi's definition of priestcraft was oddly placed. If you ever think that, look at the scripture again, prayerfully, at a different angle, asking for the help of the Spirit, and the mysteries will be unfolded to you. Because that's what I did this week. I I just wasn't seeing it at first. Nephi teaches us in verses 29 through 30 that the Lord commandeth that there shall be no priestcrafts. For behold, priestcrafts are that men preach and set themselves up for the light into the world, that they may get gain and praise of the world. But they seek not the welfare of Zion, 
Behold, the Lord hath forbidden this thing. So the way we recognize priestcraft is when God, when Jesus Christ is replaced as the light that we're being directed towards. And instead, children and men are putting themselves in that position, kind of a look at me position, that their wisdom will shed light on truth and personal enlightenment, that they know the better way. They do this to get gain in praise of the world. And it is all done not to seek the welfare of Zion, but of themselves. Though this isn't a popular conference talk topic. It is a topic that has been addressed several times, though very swiftly. And I, and I hope that I'm not being out of bounds by elaborating on this topic. I've tried to stay very much in bounds with referring to scripture and then also the words of those who have been ordained by God and have studied what they have to say on the subject. Elder Dallin H. Oaks has warned us, be cautious about the motivation of the one who is providing information to us. And he warns that if the source is anonymous or unknown, the information may also be suspect. He also counseled us that a gospel teacher does not teach to become popular or for the sake of riches and honor. He or she follows the marvelous Book of Mormon example in which the preacher was no better than the hearer. Neither was the teacher any better than the learner. Both will always look to the master. Another way to recognize a teacher who is teaching by the Spirit of God was explained by Elder Jean R. Cook. He said he will be a preacher of righteousness, speaking forcefully against sin, having an eye single to God, not to personal gain, honor, or popularity among men. He knows worldly aspirations leave the door open wide to apostasy. I appreciate that Elder Jean R. Cook addressed an indication of a righteous leader, that he is one that redirects us continually to repentance. Repentance isn't a priority of priestcraft. Those who teach priestcraft often do not teach repentance. That is one of the teachings that is in opposition to the Lord. Remember Nephi's question, Hath he commanded any that they should not partake of his salvation? Priestcraft takes away accountability and takes away consequences for one's choices. Finally, whenever there is some good insight by Elder Neil A. Maxwell, I will always add it. And he had this caution. A little criticism of the brethren, which seems harmless enough, may not only damage other members, but can even lead to one setting himself up as a substitute light unto the world. We have seen this to not only be true, but to have swift consequences for those who are led away by these deceptions. And that brings me to this podcast. I have pondered for the last two years about my intentions of beginning a podcast that is gospel-related, and yet I have not been called to do it. Though I do believe that I have accepted the call by President Spencer W. Kimball to learn how to articulate my faith. Or the invitation from current apostles, such as Elder Bednar or Elder Ballard, 
to share our light and testimony using the technology that we have been given. My acceptance of their challenge came with going into a venue that I felt that I could be sincere and effective in. To not seek praise, but to seek the welfare of Zion. But I do want to be obedient and straight up in this delicate matter. And as I've stated before, I have had a goal to try and have 100 ratings by the end of this year. And you know what? That isn't really even an incredible number (laughs) compared to other podcasts that have been doing it for as long as I have. I've tried to not do it in a creepy way or in a self-serving manner, but I've sought to follow through with the intention of having this podcast be given a standing amongst common searches that Latter-day Saints may be doing in search of something to listen to that is uplifting and will help build their testimony. And you know, the number of ratings a podcast has does help. And with the time I devote each week to reading and studying and pondering, I thought there was no harm in asking. And truthfully, it does feel good to receive positive feedback. But I have decided that that just won't be my thing. After studying and pondering priestcraft even more. If you wish to rate this podcast, awesome. I appreciate you. It does feel like a virtual hug from you to me. And if you wish to share this podcast, cool. I appreciate that you are a like-minded spirit with me, that you enjoy finding worth in gospel truth. But I won't be asking you anymore to give this podcast a rating or to share this podcast because I don't desire to even walk near the edge. I don't want to get close by setting myself up accidentally for a light into the world to get the world's praise. Already, before I even began, set the intention that this podcast will never do sponsorships to get gain. And if I ever develop something that you can benefit from, I'll direct you where you can purchase that or get that. But other than that, this podcast is done at my expense in order to be a light that shines on my Savior, because that is what I want. And I've been asked by others in the past, and they've been perplexed when I give them the answer why I would do something so time-consuming for free to others, but at a cost to me. And now you know why. I don't want to walk the line. Now I do do gospel principle coaching, and I plan to tell you soon on how you can work with me one-on-one if you're interested. But again, the gospel principles are there to support our development and our progression back to God. It isn't to separate ourselves from his church, but to strengthen us within it, which is another characteristic of priestcraft, doing the opposite of Nephi's questions. Hath he commanded any that they should depart out of the synagogues or out of the houses of worship? Priestcraft like to draw you away. And hath the Lord commanded any that they should not partake of his goodness? Priestcraft wants to confuse you about who God is and what the Lord can do for you. So, (laughs) looking at the time, I am going to pause there. 
for this week and save the other deceptions of Satan for next week. So I guess that does give me a little more time (laughs) to study. You do it too. Join me. I hope that this has been helpful. So we began with the big one this week, priestcraft, and we really dived in. And I have purposely, if you've noted, I have purposely not given you any specific priestcraft that surround us today. But I hope you can see them now for what they are. As I listen to the experiences of others, I am discovering that there are becoming fewer and fewer of us who do not have a close loved one, family or friend, who has not been deceived for a period of time by priestcraft. But I would counsel you, don't give up on them. Don't fall for the deception of the adversary that the words of the Savior does not still apply to them. Doth he cry unto any, saying, Depart from me? Nay. Behold, hath he commanded any that they should depart out of the synagogues or out of the house of worship? Nay. Hath he commanded any that they should not partake of his salvation? Nay. Hath the Lord commanded any that they should not partake of his goodness? Remember that the answer to all four of these questions is nay. Nephi gives us the antidote to priestcraft in verse 30. It is also what we must replace our pride with, because remember, all voids need filling. And what you can fill that void when you are purging pride out of your heart is charity, love of God, love of self, and love for our fellow man. (laughs) Think about it. All the answers to life's problems and predicaments is always love. Sister Scriptorians, I encourage you to work on love and aligning yourself tightly with your Savior. When you choose love, life will still have its challenges, but you will live with far less regret. It will help you to purge out your pride or your opposition and hostility towards others. By doing so, we will be more susceptible to the Spirit so we can avoid deception. And that is something we can all use more of. Make it a great day.